planet and just total glo global upheaval. It's going to be a horrible place. Again, these are all described in Revelation 6 through 16 in three groups of seven, these judgments of God upon the earth, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the final bowl judgments. And although it's hard to pinpoint what, uh, at what point in that seven years they take place, it's clear that there's going to be upheaval. It's going to be bad on top of war and pestilence and famine and death and persecution and so on on top of all that. There are going to be earthquakes causing the sun to lose its light because of the smoke and the moon is going to be blood red and every mountain will fall and every Island will be gone and every city will crumble. These are the kinds of earthquakes that are going to, the earth is going to face where the oceans just wash over Hawaii. It's gone. It's not coming back. All the oceans are gone. The, the, the islands that have built up just dissipate. The mountains that are high have, have shaken and fallen to the ground. All the cities of the world are, have collapsed. No more shipping, no more receiving. No one's really worrying about, you know, the Strait of Taiwan or the, any of this stuff anymore. It's gone. It's going to be all this stuff. There will be hail and, and fire mixed with blood falling to the earth, burning up all the vegetation. Rainforest gone. This is the global warming. We need to be concerned about another asteroid will fall and poison a lot of the fresh water. Most of the fresh water, the first one that falls, it's going to poison. I think I forget. It's a half or a third. I can't remember. It's in iterations. And another asteroid is going to fall into the sea, killing a third of the sea life in the ocean. That's horrible. Then another will come and everything in the sea dies. All ocean life gone. That's unsustainable folks. Then another will come, you know, it's in the third, a third of the sun is, is struck and a third of the moon is struck and a third of the stars fall from the sky. And this imagery, it's hard to understand if it's literal or symbolic. Basically the, the light's going to dim so dark that we need the sun. It's just going to be, it's a world of darkness. That's what's going to be happening because of everything going on astronomically and smoke rising up, everything. It's just going to be horrible. And right before Jesus returns, the entire sea will be turned to blood and it will be raging and everything in it dies. And all the fresh water will be as blood. No more water to drink anywhere. Although the sun will be dark, it will scorch people with fire. People being seared with intense heat. So much so that they're crawling under rocks and cursing God. They won't repent. The point is that the world is plunged into utter and total chaos and darkness. People are going to be gnawing their tongues in pain. It says. This is what Jesus is describing in verse 29. When he says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. At the end of the tribulation, that's what it's going to be like. That's the backdrop of his return. And then in verse 30, Jesus says, then will appear in heaven, the sign of the son of man. 
And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory. Jesus had just said, don't be fooled by those claiming to be Christ. Don't listen to them because my return is going to be like nothing anyone has ever seen before. Verse 27, just look back in verse 27. What does he say? For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the son of man. Lightning happens in a dark backdrop. Usually there's going to be total world darkness. And there's going to be the sign of the son of man appearing. What's that sign? I have to believe along with others that he is the sign. He is the sign. He is the one coming. He will appear out of darkness. The sky will open and he, the glory of his eternal light and power will shine through into the darkness of this world. As he comes in his radiant glory. In Acts 1, Jesus ascended to heaven. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Luke was written and, and Acts picks up right where Luke left off writing it. And in Acts uh, 1, in verse 9, it says, And when he said, said these things, he's at the ascension, he's about to go up. As they were looking on him, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That's how Jesus ascended. That's Acts 1. And this cloud is most likely what many believe. And I believe so is the Shekinah glory of God. It's not a normal cloud. It's, it's, it's the physical manifestation of God's glory and presence in a, in a visible manifestation. Well, what are we talking about there? Well, in second Chronicles seven, when Solomon dedicated the temple in verse one, remember that? It says, as soon as Solomon had finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It, it filled the temple. How does the glory fill a temple? That's a good question, right? And it says, and the priests could not enter the, the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord. It filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down in the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And so the glory was God's manifestation in a way that was seen. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? There's other places as well when Jesus is transfigured and uh, there's, there's other descriptions of it in the old Testament as well. Pretty amazing stuff. And the angel, by the way, when people are looking at Jesus descend into heaven, the heavens are opening up. Jesus is going to the throne of God. The angels, it says uh, the two men, it says he's speaking, he's speaking to everybody who's looking and back in Acts, it says, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That's how Jesus is returning. And by the way, he's returning to Jerusalem, but somehow the whole world will see it. I don't understand. Maybe TV. There's if there's any TV left. And so just as he left the cloud, uh, left in the cloud of his glory, he will return in the same way. And at this time, all will see his power and glory. They will actually see his power and glory. The first time only a few saw him. This time the world will see 
and it'll be like lightning. Well, what is going to be the world's response when they see Jesus return? What is the world's response? What it says there, all the tribes back in Matthew 24, verse 29, was it? Sorry, I've got a lot there. Yeah, uh, 31. The world's response is all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The world's reaction is going to be weeping and wailing. That's what's going on. That word there means to beat one's chest in total lament. The world is going to be crying a death cry as he returns. They will finally see the one they've been mocking, the one they have re- been rejecting, the one they have of, of whom his people they've been executing and his light and his glory and his goodness and his righteousness and his purity and his power is going to break through the darkness of this world and shine like nothing we've ever seen. And the only reaction of a human being to is they're just going to fall and cry because they're exposed for all they are. All we are. (laughs) So the world will weep and yet Israel will also weep, which is interesting. There's a prophecy in Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 12, 10 through 14. It speaks of this day. I think it says, that in that day he will defend them and destroy her enemies and he will pour out his spirit and grace upon them. That's kind of what's going to happen. So he's going to defend Jerusalem at this time. And I don't understand how it all fits together, but Paul says that all Israel will be saved at this time. Let me just read you the verse out of Zechariah. Zechariah 12, 10 through 11 says, and I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weeps bitterly over him. As one weeps over a firstborn on that day, the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning for Hadad Rahman in the plains of Megiddo. It's just saying that the people of God, when they finally understand and they finally see who he is, they will break. And it seems like, they will break and God gives them mercy, but the world somehow is destroyed. I haven't put that all together yet. I'll have to go re 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 struggle there, but there's two types of mourning is what I'm saying. God's going to show mercy on whom he's going to show mercy, but even his wrath, even in his return, there's going to be mercy upon the remnant of Israel. And you can read about that. in in Romans chapter 12, but what happens as soon as he's returning, what happens is the world is weeping. Verse 31, as he sent, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. The angels are God's servants and they do his bidding. And it seems that part of his roles and responsibilities that he gives to them is gathering people. Um, and one of the ways in which they're going to do that is at this time, he's going to shout. There's going to be a trumpet call. And basically they're going to gather all the elect, all the, the saved from all time. 
are going to be gathered together to come with him down from heaven and return to the earth. There's a lot there. So we know that there's going to be a gathering at that point. The angels are also Matthew 13 tells us at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ. Don't worry. I'll explain that in just a minute. At the end, a thousand years after his return, he is going to gather all of those unbelieving dead and alive. He's going to gather them together before the white, right? The great white throne judgment. So the angels have a role in, in this, but here at the end of tribulation, as Jesus is coming, the angels are going to gather God's elect all believers from all time are going to be assembled with Christ as he returns to the earth to execute judgment and rule for a thousand years. This is the setting up of the kingdom. This is what the disciples want to know. When's this going to happen? Well, this is happening. Revelation 20 verse four through six speaks of this revelation 20 verses four through six speaks of this event where it says, then I saw thrones and seated on them were those whom had authority to judge uh, to judge was committed. And we will see this judgment that begins to happen when Christ returns. So Jesus is going to come and judge. But he's also going to delegate judgment. Remember um, he spoke to the disciples saying, I'm going to give you the power to, to judge over the 12 tribes, right? He's talking that there's going to be judgment. That's going to be happening. And the disciples are going to be judging. We're going to be judging apparently. So that's happening. But he says there in Matthew 20, uh, sorry, uh, Revelation 20 verses four through six. Um, also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. These are the tribulation saints. Everybody who died under the beast, he's going to murder and kill Christians. Well, they're there. And those who had wor- had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads, or their hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And so in revelation 20, uh, 20 uh, verses four through six, it's speaking about those who died during the tribulation that were his, that refused to follow along the beast and were killed for it. They're going to be resurrected. This does not mean we're not with them. Other places talk about that. Titus, uh, sorry, second Timothy chapter two, 11 through 13, revelation two, 25 to 26 and chapter five, nine through 10. You can, Go back over that later. I'm just saying we're with them as well. Just want to make sure you know that we're, we're with them as well. It's not just them. So the angels gather all believers at this time uh, to return with the Lord. Now, if you are someone who fought, who holds to the rapture of the church, you're going, well, what's all this? And this is, that's right. Because this is why people see things differently. <laughs> you look at this verse and you go, well, that doesn't fit my timeline. Right. And so this is why people believe some people believe, Hey, Jesus is going to gather to everybody after the tribulation. So whether you believe that you're going to be raptured before, which I currently hold to, but I have, I'm, I'm questioning things as I go through Matthew, not saying I'm losing my religion, but I'm, I'm learning, but I'm going through this and I'm taking it seriously. But I, I see how my other brothers and sisters in the faith within orthodoxy, within the playground that God has given us, see this differently and we can all agree and join and and be brothers and sisters in these, in these areas, because what we all must agree on is that Jesus is returning. That's what unites us. You don't believe that Jesus is returning. You're out of the camp. (laughs) You know, you don't believe that Jesus died and rose again. You're out of the camp. Make sense. There's things that bring us together. So, what it seems here is, is, is that regardless of whether we're raptured or not, 
The church is getting gathered together and we are with the Lord at his return. I pray we're there for seven years before. Amen. That's what I want. <laughs> like I said, I start with the tribulation and if that doesn't work out, I go to mid <laughs> and then I go to post, right? That's what I'm working my way forward. And so we can see that differently. So the tribulation saints who had been martyred during the tribulation are resurrected. That's what's in focus. And they, along with believers who are already with the Lord are gathered together with Christ as he returns, as Jesus returns in his power and great glory. Uh, it speaks to this in more detail in revelation chapter 19, uh, 19 verses 11 through 21. Please flip over to revelation chapter 19, 11 through 21. Cause we get a different view. What's that going to be like? We're all going to be there. If you're in Christ, you're in this moment. You're looking at your future view of what's going to happen. Pretty cool. I pray that you have repented and believed upon Jesus Christ so that you can have the sky view, you know, with uh, all of us coming back together. Revelation 19 verse 11 through 21 says, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. This is the same imagery Jesus is talking about. Then you'll see the sign of the son of man. White horse is just this glory, this purity breaking into the darkness. I find it interesting that at the beginning of revelation, by the way, there is a pale horse. That's the antichrist. He's always trying to mimic the true Christ. It's a false piece. He brings a false rule. Well, here's the real deal. It's the white horse. And what do we find out about him? The one sitting on him is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He's a righteous judge. And when he goes to war, it's a right in righteousness. And his eyes, verse 12 are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems crowns and he has a name written that no one knows, but himself. Wow. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Who is this? This is Jesus Christ. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and purple were following him on white horses. Who's that? I'm praying you're it's you. But it's also the angels, Jude says. Angels and the saints are returning to take the kingdom. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. This is not going to be a um, Lord of the Rings epic battle. Jesus is going to speak and it's going to be done. That's how he does stuff. <laughs> World exist. It exists. Planets spin, spin laws happen. They happen. Demon come out. It comes out. He speaks and it happens. He's God in the flesh. And when he returns, he's going to speak and his enemies are going to be done. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. It's repeated in revelation chapter two. In other words, it's going to be right. No shenanigans. There's going to be 
no need to lock whatever doors are existing anymore. <laughs> and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, of God almighty blood to the bridle as he comes back and slays his enemies that gather there. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written King of Kings, Lord of Lords. This world has a bunch of Kings. It has a bunch of Lords has a bunch of presidents. It always has always will until the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords returns and says no more. Your rule is done. The end of the age is happening. There's a new rule. Amazing. And then I saw verse 17, an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice, he called to, to all the birds that, that fly directly overhead, come and gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of the Kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of the horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave and small and great. And I saw the beast and their Kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army this is the battle of Armageddon taking place there in Israel. And the beast was captured. How is he captured? He just grabbed. Like we think the enemy is so formidable. He, and he is to us. You know, I think we have a flippancy about us. That's ridiculous when it comes to demonic things. Listen, if the angel Mike, uh, Michael, when he was wrestling for the, with the bones of Moses, didn't rebuke, Satan, but rather said, Hey, the Lord rebuke you. What are we doing? Talking smack to demons. We don't our only power is in the Lord. And so we just run into the strong tower and we don't mess with them. We talk to the Lord and the Lord will deal with them. We go to dad. Amen. And the beast was captured and with it, the false prophet who was in its presence. And he had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown, thrown what thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. So there's hell, which is like local jail. And then there's a lake of fire, which is the pen, so to speak. No one's getting out. There's a holding tank. Hell is going to get thrown into the lake of fire. It says these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse and all the birds were gorged for their flesh. And so there's just a bad end there, but I like what John MacArthur said about Jesus' second coming, something to the effect of people are fully acquainted with this first coming. We're, we're fully acquainted with the manger and we're fully acquainted with the three wise men, although it doesn't say they're three and the shepherds in the fields and all that kind of stuff. We're all acquainted with this first coming, but we are absolutely totally ignorant of a second coming. Does anybody know about this stuff? If they do, they just throw it out to insanity. And so Jesus is coming back and this time every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's happening. Pretty wild, huh? And just to fill in the rest of the timeline, I want to help you just understand the rest. How does it end? Cause Jesus is coming back 
right? We're at a situation right now. We pray the rapture is going to happen. Then the tribulation starts seven years. At the end of the seven years, Jesus returns. He sets up his earthly kingdom. What happens after that? You can read about that in revelation 19 through 21, which I'll quickly summarize for you. When Jesus returns, as we just read, the beast and the false prophets will be thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 19, 20. Satan then is bound in chains and one angel comes and grabs him and throws him in jail for a thousand years. He's, he's in, he's bound for a thousand years. Read that in revelation 20 verse two. And Jesus is going to set up his throne in Jerusalem. He's going to immediately start to judge the nations. There's going to be a short time of judgment there. Revelation 20 verse four. And this is most likely what is described in the next chapter. We're going to read chapter 25 when he talks about the sheep and the goats. It's not the great white throne judgment. It's that judgment. It seems. And so during the 1000 year reign, Jesus rules the earth with a rod of iron in, in revelation two, seven, it says that there's going to be total peace on the earth. There will be peace among the nations and even among animals. It says that the lion will lie down with the lamb. Kids will play with snakes, all this kind of stuff. The world is going to be totally different. There's actually going to be a recreation of it, so to speak. It's going to be an awesome rain. It's going to be an awesome rain. And at the end of the thousand years in God's plan, revelation 27, it tells us that Satan is released from his prison. I think someone said at some time that uh, the devil is God's devil. He serves his purposes for some reason. Satan is released and he ends up deceiving the nations very quickly. The power that he, that entity has is just crazy. He deceives the nation and the world at that time will gather their armies once again, like the sands of the sea. It says in verse seven of chapter 20, they're going to surround Jerusalem and he destroys them all with fire from heaven. The devil is thrown in the lake of fire at that point where the false prophet and the beast are They're still burning, still there a thousand years later, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then the great white throne judgment, the heavens and the earth dissipate. This is what Peter talks about. Peter's talking about says, Hey, everybody mocks you about, Hey, well, when's the return of the Lord? Oh, he's coming back. Okay. You're just fairy tale. Listen, the reason why Jesus hasn't come back yet is because of his mercy, his long suffering. Yes. He is going to pour out his wrath. He said it, but the reason that he delays is that he might show mercy that we might preach the gospel, live the gospel that others like us who are totally lost and gone come to know the grace and kindness of God and not be cast into eternal darkness, not face that. So then there's the great white throne judgment. The heavens of the earth dissipate with great fire. Jesus is holding everything together by his word. He lets it go and it's done. Second Peter three ten, revelation 2011. And the angels gather the unbelieving dead from all time before the throne for judgment. Matthew 13, eight, uh, that's in Matthew 13, 38 through 42. In Revelation 20, uh, 12 to 13, and anyone's name who was not found in the Lamb's book of life 
was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And I'm not going to get into all that right now, but that's revelation 2015. I'm just reading down revelation 20. And then God creates a new heavens and a new earth. Revelation 21. And he also creates the new Jerusalem. And it says of the new city in revelation 21 through 26. So this is just a description of the new city that he talks about the dimensions of it, but then he talks about what's unique about it. It says, and I saw in verse 22 of chapter 21, and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb. (laughs) That's a trip. And the city had no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light. That's amazing. And the lamp is the lamb. Interesting. When Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I think he had a bigger view than what we had. (laughs) We're going to be in a city where it is illuminated by him. We're not going to go to a building to worship. He is our worship. We're going to be in him. And it's gates. Well, it says by, by its light will the nations walk and the Kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. There will be, there will, uh, they will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. Not anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the lamb's book of life. Important takeaway is your name in the lamb's book of life. Who is the lamb? Jesus Christ. He came and he died to pay the total price of our sin. And the only way your name is written is by believing upon Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection in your place. It's a free gift. Cost him everything will cost you everything, by the way, as you lose your life and you actually find it. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. He's given all these signs to believers so that we would understand how it will all play out. And Jesus leaves with a little quick illustration, which we'll pick up in next week. Just read with me verses 32 to 35. As we're looking at all these signs and things, he wants the disciples to know. He wants us to know this. He says from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer's near. And so also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. What he says happens. What does he mean by the generation that sees this? Or he says, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Was he talking to the disciples? No, they died. He's talking to the generation that sees all these things take place in the tribulation. He's saying that when they see these things happen or possibly we begin to see these things happen. 
you're not going to pass away before everything he wrote comes to pass. And then he, he puts a stamp on it. Heaven and earth will pass away. I'm going to destroy the whole place and build a new one. But guess what? My words are never going to pass away. That's how enduring what he says is about this. This is coming. This is on the horizon. So how do we live our lives? And that's what Jesus gets into next. <laughs> Lord God, thank you so much for your beautiful and precious word. God, it's heavy. But as we look now into the world we're living in, may we reconcile the truth with the lie. And may we live in light of your return. May we have hearts that are set on your return at any moment, at any time, Lord, that we would be ready, whether you take us to be with you, whether you rapture us, Lord, we die, whether we have to endure massive hardship with it, our hearts would be set on you, our great and mighty savior, our salvation. Lord, bind up the broken heart and soften the people's hearts in front of us. God, before it's too late, God, forgive us of our self-centeredness Lord, that just overtakes us. And especially me, Lord, fill me again, Lord, with the joy of your spirit, with boldness to proclaim your gospel, Lord, that we would all have that boldness to once again, proclaim you that we would not be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of salvation. Lord, bring people to your kingdom, God, by grace. How merciful you are. We ask that you would humbly do that through us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.